Attention. The movie guys love movies. Any comments about a high-profile Hollywood divorce sparking Independence Day jokes are purely for entertainment purposes only. Isn't that right, Will Smith? Okay, okay hang on just one second. What? I got to jump in here and just say this is a brand new show. Okay? Yeah. August 6th, 2015. Brand I was new. Say, I was, was going to ask, did I miss something? No, I mean, well, Will and Jada break up once a month, so please don't think you're listening to a rerun. Oh, okay. Even though this seems like old news. They're at it again with the breaking up. They've I, been breaking up for like six months now, right? I, I thought you are making a Ben Affleck joke. Oh. I thought you were double playing it. Oh, right, because he was in Independence Day? Right. What? No, because he's independent now from But he's getting woman. a divorce, right? right? Right, but he wasn't in independence. No, day. but you were so doing what? a bait and switch, but you're not because Will Smith is breaking up. It was bait and bait, Karen. It's bait and bait. Wow. Bait and bait. Welcome to the Movie Showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling Movie Guys empire. Paul, did I mention I had chips earlier Sorry today? we had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther party. <laughs> You've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, characters, bits, lively banter, special guests, and more. As we broadcast from two locations what? this week. Right now we're comfortably ensconced in the Admirals Club, our balmy headquarters in beautiful downtown Burbank. But for the second half of the show, <laughs> we will be playing from Hollywood Ooh. at the 13th Annual Los Angeles Improv Comedy and Festival. And that was less balmy in there. It was. And mm-hmm. so expect the entertainment quality to go up. Way up. Once you're in Hollywood. And mm-hmm. our very funny and candid talk with the great Joel Murray. Yay! Yay, Joel Murray. They don't stop making movies, so we don't stop making comedy shows about movies, which means you can get a new show every week at themovieguys.net, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Vimeo, YouTube, Player.fm, TuneIn.com, etc. Absolutely free. And we encourage you to subscribe, especially at iTunes. Share and like posts. That would be great. Rate us. Leave a review. Check us out on social media. Blah, blah, blah. We appreciate it. And if you do that, all that, still, no charge. Wow. It's just fun. It does sound like it should be very expensive. It's a plethora. We're even on internet radio. What? WBAD.net, Fridays at 4 Eastern. Wabad. I Rise Radio. I love Wabad. I Rise Radio at uh, Iracy Radio at <laughs> noon Eastern. Uh, 9 Pacific. Basically, search the movie guys on Google, Yahoo, or... Bing! Bing! And we come right up. <laughs> I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show in the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Karen Volpe. I married Rambo. And Bart Caius. Look, I can see you getting all bunged up for them making you dress like this. As I said later in the show, we will magically <laughs> transport you to this last weekend's L.A. Improv Comedy Fest as we take an in-depth look uh, in-depth look. Easy for me to say. At the new documentary, I am Chris Farley, with former Second City castmate of Chris Farley's Joel Murray. Ooh. And as ever, uh, we are here for you, prepping you for what's new in theaters every week. So come back each week. We'll fill you in. Uh, you may have noticed that Adam is not here as he wraps up a visit to Chicago. Yes, that's Swift Bart. Is he in the wrapping stages right now? I would. No, I think he's at the halfway point. I think he's at the halfway point, right? Yeah, halfway point. And then, he, for, then you wind down, then uh, you wrap it up. That's so exactly he's got two right. more stages to go before he gets back. Damn straight. Winding and wrapping. Mm. But it's a shame he's not here because it seems like this weekend's new movies are all superhero films. Let's see. We have hmm. yes. Ricky and the Flash, which finally teams up the world's fastest superhero with Ricky. Oh. The hero with the power <laughs> to be so fine, so fine he'll <laughs> blow your mind. Hey, Ricky. Uh, the Gift, whose superpower keeps on giving. Oh. Sean the Sheep, where Simon Pegg plays a man bitten by a radioactive sweater. Oh, I want to see that. Awesome. And, oh, oh, yeah, according to, the, uh, according to the poster, there's also something called Fan Four Stick. It what? is our duty as human beings to push forward into the unknown. But sometimes you're looking to discover one thing. 
find something else. <laughs> that is super blong. That is so loud. Trailer is mega blong. That was better that way. <laughs> if you're not watching, please watch that. Oh, that was painful. Oh. This seems that? to have all the, uh, what do they call them, tropes? Sure. All the tropes. <laughs> One of the tropes that I'm noticing in all superhero movies now is large chunks of Earth being levitated oh, yeah. into the sky. Yes. They did that in this, uh, oh, Avengers. Yeah. It's yeah. very reminiscent of, yes, album covers. It's true. <laughs> I think that's what they're it going is. for. That's what Avatar looked like. Yeah. It looked like some Asia album. <laughs> the floating <laughs> islands. And, and they're kind the of they go down into a point. I'm totally with you. Yeah. But isn't there there's that this there is that in this movie, correct? Large chunks of earth being limited. Ah. Is it darker? Yes, but darker. No no sunlight like you get no. in the Avatar. It's interesting because Avatar, there's blue at least. It seems like the the playing field for superhero movies is really equal now when it comes to special effects. Because I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but as a kid, the biggest obstacle for me in wanting to see a, a decent superhero movie were the special effects of making it look like Superman could fly or Aquaman could could breathe underwater. That's taken out of the equation now. So you better have a damn good story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this one is uh, leaning yeah. in that direction. Uh, I don't know. It's take number three. Uh, Roger Corman made one, and then of course there was the Tim Story one with uh, of Jessica course Alba. There was that one. Yeah, you know, but I only because they made two of them. You might have heard. Hang of them. on, I was at work today, and a uh, bunch of movie savvy people there were sitting around me, and somebody was talking about Fantastic Four, and the guy's like, "I can't quite place it," and I'm like, "Yeah, I like the, I, I saw the version with the guy from the Shield and the Rock, and." And the guy next to me is like, I don't know what you're talking about, Dwayne Johnson. And I'm like, no, no, the rock <laughs> guy. And the other one explained that it was the fantastic. Well, it was a thing. Someone knew what but you were talking about without me yes, to explain that's it. what I'm saying. I said, the guy Probably from The Shield job. and The Rock. And he's like, oh, the other Fantastic Four. <laughs> oh, wait, you were calling him The Rock, yeah. not meaning Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> no, meaning I meant the like thing rock, made out of rocks. Yeah. But that's hilarious. Uh, but it's. I did some research on this movie, getting ready for this preview, and I am now thoroughly confused about whatever this movie might be. <laughs> I don't know who's research. in it. There's supposed to be four of them, but it sounds like there might have been previous movies with other, not these four Fantastics in it. No, there are four. Uh, no, there's always four. Always I mean, the same? Different actors. The no, same so. Fantastics, though. Correct. Okay. Well, <coughs> well who's yeah. Silver Surfer? That's a, He's sort of a, uh, well, he's not a Fantastic Four But character. there was a Fantastic he's a Marvel Four. Character. Rise of the Silver Surfer. Correct. Like, so you see where I got confused, Paul. I guess they didn't <laughs> include the name Joker in Batman either. Oh, know? is that, so is there's that, like a character. Is that what it is? Yeah, he's a character oh, in the okay. movie, but right. he's not of one of the Fantastic okay. Four. Why? Okay. Why? Whenever I hear see, silver, easily explained. There you go. Why? Thank when God I hear I Silver here. Surfer, don't I? Why do I always think of those little silver things you get in your laundry, like in your silver fish? Yeah. In your laundry? I don't know. No, why. you know, like if you're about, like, say you pull something out of storage and there's these little silver fish. Yeah, the silver fish. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if they're in your laundry. That's what you're talking about. And only you. <laughs> All right. So um, I don't know why. Yeah. So you should remake bad movies. Okay. So this is not a bad endeavor as an idea. Okay. You should do it till you get it right. Three times in, though, I don't know. Do you throw in the flag finally and say. Well, that's why I said Cause, it. Because not that we've seen it, but the reviews are as bad as they've Awful. been. Just horrible. Yeah. Worse than Pixels. Josh Trank, the director of this, was, was left the Star Wars project. I don't know if it was because this Ooh. looked so bad, but uh, there's theories. You know, the, every, there's not a lot really going well for this movie. Well, again, I, I I have to go back to the argument that it has to be story-related because these other movies were made when? 2000, 2005, 2009, I think is the sequence. Yeah, well, the Corman one was way back. Yeah, yeah so, so we again, we are now in a technological level playing field where they should be able to get that much right. 
correct? I mean, that much should be cool about the movie, right? what it looks like. Now they just need a decent story with decent actors, and I think that might have been where they went off target. The problem with I had with the, with the last one they did with Jessica Alba and uh, Michael Chickrock, Chick- right? uh, to use his Flintstones name, <laughs> was... Um, oh, Michael Chickless. Yeah. 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 Was he... Was They kind of became the Fantastic Four through a series of, you know, wacky circumstances, and then they just had to, like, make everything right that they just screwed up. Like, because they did all this stuff, there's, like, radioactive lesion, oh. there's a guy who's bad, and they got to fix all of it. And it's like, that's not superhero. Superman, Superman's superhero where, like, you're falling off a building. I will catch you. You know, that's... And this is a retelling of it, is what I've read. Well, I'm told it goes, well, listen, let's do the pre- preview properly. Maybe we'll we? learn something. Yeah, because there's we got plenty of information here for the okay. masses. All right. Our first film of the month, best known for the month where the summer box office tapers. Uh, Marvel's at it again. And by add it, I mean selling off a major property to 20th Century Fox. Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four? Yes. Well, then I, I guess I missed the first three, so I assume they went straight to video or something? That is a joke, but also kind of true. Well, I see they're pulling a Star Wars and starting with Episode Four, then. You know I like breaking ground on this show, <laughs> so I'm just going to enjoy the first and last comparison between Star Wars and <laughs> Fantastic Four. Happened right here on our show. Isn't that exciting? Glad I get out. All right. To tell us what it's all about, I'll be joined here by Bart Caius. Let's do it. Oh, it's a new month, which means a new comic book superhero movie, because that's the movie world we live in now. God, I wish I was 12 again. This would be so much more fun. Hey, everyone who's not Adam, or Paul, or Chris Hardwick, or a lot of people under 30, are you finally able to keep straight who the Avengers are and who the X-Men are? Mm -hmm. Good. Now here's another group of superheroes you'll have to remember, lest you suffer the ridicule of hipsters, hipster nerds everywhere. It's the Fantastic Four. <laughs> Stop acting 40 years older than you are. <laughs> if the name sounds familiar, that's because this property has been put on the big screen twice before, written and directed by the inappropriately named Tim Story. Those <laughs> movies have since been renamed the Not So Great Four and the Good Enough, I suppose, Four. This time, it's up to Josh Trank, director of Chronicle, to see if a Fantastic Four movie can succeed, director of Barbershop-less. This time, the Fantastic Four departs from the comic books by presenting a new version of the Fantastic Four. Like it's Batman and there have been good ones or something. (laughs) The plot sees Brainiac Reed Richards discovering another dimension, the name of which translates roughly to, What Could Possibly Go Right?, Tra- wait, what could possibly go, go right? right. I'm surprised we didn't do that together. Oh. Traveling yeah. to this other dimension gives the gang the familiar superpowers we've all come to know and love. Here's the scene where the group names themselves. Okay, I was up all last night, and I think I've come up with a great name for the group. Since we all have such fantastic powers, I think we should be called the Fantastic Four. Ooh, Fantastic Four. All right. That sounds I like good. It. I like that. Yeah, and I have come up with uh, individual names as well, if I may. Ben Grimm, you are a rock-like thing of a man. You will be called The Thing. Great. Sue Storm, you're a woman who has the power to make herself invisible. The Invisible Woman is your name from now on. Good. Johnny Storm, Mm -hmm. you are human, and yet you are a torch. Yeah. The Human Torch. The Human Torch, okay. (laughs) And I, Reed Richards, can stretch my body like a rubber band. I will be... Mr. Fantastic. (laughs) 
That's from the great Norm MacDonald oh, album. The best. Uh, <laughs> where then, of course, I the rest of the that. the rest of the troop gets disgruntled that he get the great name. <laughs> Too fun. I love that. But when word of his power from another dimension reaches the evil ears of Doctor Doom, he hatches a plan to use the technology for evil. Evil. Yes. Oh. Which beats Doctor Doom's plan from Rise of the Silver Surfer, which was pretty much just flying around and laughing a lot. Sure. Take that, Earth. Billy Elliot's Jamie Bell plays Ben Grimm, who becomes the Thing. Here's a clip. Thing ring, do your thing! <laughs> that, that may be from a cartoon. That was amazing. The casting has received a respectability boost in the form of Whiplash's Miles Teller and Fruitvale Station's Michael B. Jordan, putting aside fears that initially sprung up when they cast that awkward moments Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan. Hmm. Casting a black actor as the Human Torch was considered controversial huh? because everybody who knows the Human Torch knows that he was always played by Bill Murray. You know, the whole country is looking for the Human Torch. Yeah. And he's right here working with us on cars. <laughs> well, I've got to do a little welding, guys, so step back for a few seconds. Flame on. Hey, Johnny, I didn't know you could ignite parts of your body. The flame from my finger beats a welding torch any day. It's really nifty. Every time I use my flame, I learn new things I can do with it. By concentrating, I can keep it away from that gasoline. But if I wanted to, I could merge my flame with that barrel of oil and keep this place heated for months at almost no cost. What the hell is that? Adam sent me that. Yeah, that's old. That's, uh, I don't know if it's National Lampoon or... Oh. It was way before he did Sarah Live. <laughs> yeah. Well, since 2008, Spider-Man... And I would like to see that again, for the record. I like Michael B. Jordan, but look, I would like to see Bill Murray one more time around oh. as a human torch. Come on, oh, one more time. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Let's do that. Since 2008, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four have had adventures outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But if they're both out of that big picture... They could at least cross over with one another, right? Maybe J. Jonah Jameson chews out Mr. Fantastic. When did you become a fucking expert on what I can or cannot do, you fucking weepy willow shit sack? That's fantastic. That is fantastic. So every hack journalist who's so excited to decry Marvel for being formulaic and banning artistic expression to make filmmakers fall in line with Marvel's long game of storytelling, here's something that bears no resemblance to the comic or Marvel's movies. You know, like Ghost Rider 2. So be sure to give it a break in your review because it's what you keep asking for. There you go. Mr. Fantastic. That's hilarious. Handsome be wonderful. That is amazing. That, I want to <laughs> Max <see> Power. <laughs> so this is another wide-release superhero franchise out to capture America's attention. So we will, as we always do, yes. throw things over to our resident superhero expert, Adam Witt. Oh, wait, oh. that's right. He's not here. Yeah, All right. Well, next movie. Oh, Karen, great. let's talk about it. It's <laughs> called Ricky and the... Ricky is the name of the character played by Meryl Streep, and The Flash is the name of her backup band that she abandoned her family for a decade earlier to pursue a life on the road. See, kids, forsaking those you love and who love you just to become a big star does pay off. But her carefree life is given a perspective shift when her ex-husband, played by Kevin Klein, calls to tell her that her estranged daughter needs her mother. Hey, Paul, let's check the Kevin Klein mustache meter to see if this is a comedy. <laughs> mm, no, it's not. If it was, his phone call to Ricky might have gone differently. Oh, you English are so superior, aren't you? <laughs> you know that woman playing Streep's daughter looks like she could really be her daughter. Paul, that is her daughter. See, she even convinced you. Nepotism, the movie stars Meryl Streep and her daughter, Mamie Gummer. 
Maybe Gummer. That sounds like a character from Hee Haw. Yee Please welcome to the stage our next act, Miss Mamie Gummer. Now, this is taking method act. I don't act. remember it being a pig doing hee It's a donkey. Oh, it's a, he, it's a donkey. A donkey. Oh, sure. a donkey. Yeah. Okay. I don't know my animals. I grew up in Cleveland. <laughs> this is taking method acting too far. Makes you wonder what happened to the daughter that didn't make the cut in Meryl's Choice. <laughs> Ricky has to make up for the years of abandonment, earn a second chance with the kids that hate her, and figure out how to be a mother while relating to her ex-husband and his new wife, who's become Julie's new mother. I can't imagine what actor could play all of those levels while also playing a musician. Oh, no, wait. Yes, I can. Meryl Streep. You sure you don't want to make her physically disabled during wartime <laughs> just to make it a challenge? <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious that she can play anything, and Tom Hanks can play anything. So, I look forward to their remake of Face Off. Ooh. Wait, let's recap. The film is directed mm-hmm. by Academy Award winner Jonathan Demme. Yes. Written by Academy Award winner Diablo Cody. Check. Starring Academy Award winner Meryl Streep right. and Academy Award winner Kevin Klein. Yes. Oh, and it also features Hollywood Walk of Fame honoree Rick Springfield. <laughs> so... I think we've established that this is, in fact, not a superhero film. Okay, but that didn't stop Warner Brothers from releasing another Batman vs. Superman trailer as a reflex action. Hey, if you had to guess when that was coming out, you'd say tomorrow, right? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Feels like it. I wonder Uh, if any other movies to release between now and Batman vs. Superman, because it's the only one they talk about. I feel like this might be a case where... Two really, really good-looking people get together and have a kid, and then the kids. Batman and Superman? Oh, no, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that would be. I want to see that. No, like when really two really good-looking people. I know it was like Kramer versus Kramer with Batman and Superman at the. Uh, yeah. So you have too many Academy Award winners in this soup, and it's just not gonna. It's oh, just not gonna live saying. up, right? It's just gonna be a little off. I, Too perfect. I I don't know. This I want to like this movie. This looked like it was right up your alley, honey. I What's know. Going on? My problem is that. Oh, this! I'm not. I have no problem with Mamie. I think she's going to be great. Actually, she's starting to wear on me, and I think the idea that she's playing the daughter of um, Meryl Streep is fine because she's actually done a ton of stuff. Uh, I was researching her, and she's super solid. I love Kevin Klein. I love the idea of a rock star coming back and taking care of her family. I, I, I love that she learned to play guitar for it, but I don't think she's strong enough as a singer, or she doesn't own it from the clips I've seen and that really bothers me because I really want her to be great. I really wish they would have had like Bonnie Raitt play it or something. Yeah, I, I would I, rather have had a musician who wasn't a good actor. Really? Yeah. Reba. What's Reba? Reba's got Reba, a whole bunch of you know, behind her, right? There's something weird about it that feels very much like I'm playing a rock star. Well, there is that, there is that for me in the trailer, I get that Sense that they know how fucking charming they be, they're yeah. being at this in, in, while they're making it. Wait, this like, is the clip you wanted to play, right? Here we go. Why aren't you wearing your engagement ring? You two are engaged. Who wants some appetizers? We're practically eloping, Mom. Why don't you be honest, Josh, and just tell Mom that you don't want her at the wedding? Sir, would you like another martini? Yeah, keep them coming. Oh, wink, wink. Got it. You know. <laughs> now I, I will just, admit that is trailer editing. I mean, yeah, there, there's like, true. here's a line, here's another line, here's another line. You like all these lines? We're, we're done. It's true. It could just be a product of bad trailering. Bad trailer. Yeah, mm-hmm. it could be bad trailering. But I'm with you if you're suggesting, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that she doesn't quite pull off the aging rocker. For me, she looks like that that hippie eighth grade art teacher we all had. Yeah. That's a little nutty, lives by herself still. 
you know, yeah. in, her, in her late 60s. Might wearing, play at the coffee shop <laughs> once a month. Her, I mean, her folk songs, her, she does her covers exactly. of Joan Baez. This is a dumb thing, and I noticed this right away. I said it like months ago when I saw the trailer. I told Paul I immediately do not know why they didn't commit to her hair. Meaning, mm. when she... Okay. <laughs> I committed to my wanted, hair and it left. <laughs> if I wanted to pretend like for Halloween that I was an aging rocker... I could just braid it a little bit, but I wouldn't actually cut it and make it like a mohawk and stuff. Mm, I would just mm. fake mohawk it. This is a movie. This is full on. She's pretending to be a rock star. Give her a wig that's cut or cut the woman's hair. Don't just do like a fake kind of braidy, not really dreadlock thing. That bugs me. Yeah, you could tell that she really didn't want him to... To mess with her hair. She's like, look. We need a segment on the show with a theme (laughs) about like the fashion that took me out. You know, You'll see. A fashion thing just takes All you out I'm of saying is, people who are real rockers cut their shit and they don't care, and it's like buzzed and stuff. That's yeah. real big right now. Hers is not. It's like don't cut my hair. Care. And the problem with 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 rock and roll movies where you take an actor and try to make them a rock and roller is there is something about a person's ability to hold a guitar, yes. just hold it convincingly. Yeah. Um, and I don't think she does that. There's a couple scenes of her strumming, and it just. Feels awkward and out you of place. Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow was awful when she tried to do it. But at the same time, who was the dude? The, the dude, he rocked it. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. He played that country singer yeah. and was oh, great. Yeah. True. You're right. And it's probably because he plays guitar. Yeah. Now, she did go and learn it. Like, she does plunk out those things, but it's not the conviction. Right. Yeah. But Give but me but Brandy will, Carlisle and you'd buy that shit. But you will go and see it to Absolutely. Because right? okay. I love Meryl Streep. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to lose that fact. No, We're no, going I'll go anyway. See I'm gonna love. I'm gonna look forward to it. I mean, I well up. Oh my god! In the trailer, Bart, you're gonna crack up. In the trailer, I almost cry twice. What? Because of what Rick Springfield says. Oh. He's the best actor in that trailer. He's from. Uh, He's great. General Hospital. That. General Hospital. He rocks it because he says General two Hospital lines. Rick Springfield is, is no. how they're billing him. <laughs> he rocks two lines, and the the concepts are so strong. The fact that your kids don't have to love you back. Your job is to love them. Ooh. Oh my god. And then he tells her something, something else. Something second chance. It's, everyone's allowed <laughs> to have a second does. chance. And I almost cry oh, every time. You don't think you deserve a second yes, chance. Yes, and he's like, yes, you do. And then yeah. he kisses her and he's all cute. Ah! And that might be part of the problem is that you've got Rick Springfield, oh, a good. legitimate yeah. rock and roll star holding a guitar next to somebody yes, that sir. clearly was given a guitar 20 minutes ago. Grammy winner, by the way. On I Jess, have Jesse's no problem girl. with oh, him. Best I'm rock a, performance. Yeah. Hey, I heard the story that he wrote uh, Don't Mean Nothing. While he was staying on a friend's couch because he kept getting turned down. That's wow. Richard Marks. Oh, I'm thinking Let's about get on to our next movie. <laughs> our third film of a busy weekend is Sean, story, Sean the Sheep. <laughs> Sean the Sheep. Ooh, Sean the Sheep. Zombie sheep terrorizing their cruel farmer that kept stealing their wool? No, 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 no. This is called Sean the Sheep, not Sean of the Sheep. Oh. I wanted to be Sean of the Sheep. Yeah, you're confusing this movie with two other movies that don't exist. I, oh. You know... I think you're just uninformed enough to preview this movie with me. Here we go. You know, Rick Springfield and Richard Marks are in this movie. I love that song, Sunglasses at Night, Shut that he sings. Shut up! <laughs> oh. Sean, The Sheep, the movie, is the big screen debut of the beloved Ardman Animation Studios character who previously starred in his own show on the BBC. At least I'm told he's beloved, but it's... Hard not to love Ardman's non-cynical, non-CGI claymation style. So even if he's not currently being beloved, I'm sure that beloving is not too far off. For four seasons, Sean has been trying to escape the small farm of Mossy Bottom. 
Four seasons for a BBC show. What is that, 12 episodes? <laughs> it's the longest running one in history. Finally, Sean es- escapes the farm, but he had to jump to the big screen to do it in Sean the Sheep the Movie. A group of mischievous <laughs> sheep take over the farmer's camper when he's distracted shooting a commercial for the RV. The Winnebago Concepts and Engineering Departments have developed a multifunctional bathroom. Privacy, I don't even know what the fuck I'm reading. <laughs> I wonder what the fuck the real dialogue is. What the fuck is this thing? All of the windshield, for fuck's sake. Oh, fuck. What? What the fuck did I say? Please, I don't, I don't think this is from Sean the Sheep. Who was that? It's a Winnebago man. Oh, okay. Yeah. something that'll really come in handy <laughs> if it doesn't fall out and break my leg. All right, the sheep end up driving the camper out of the farm and into the city where they are caught by the police who oh, lock no. them up in a polite and respectful manner. Because the police are British? Or because the sheep are white. Sure. Oh, well, I'm not sure exactly what sheep are good for. I mean, cows give us steak and milk, horses give us racing and glue, sure. and chickens give us eggs and, well, chicken. But I'm not sure what sheep are good for. Oh, oh right, wool. And herding, I guess. And as it turns out, being herding, being herded is no fun. So these particular sheep find clever ways to avoid being herded, like locking their shepherd in a camper and then rolling it down a hill into the big city. Mm-hmm. Now Sean and his flock must invade the city to break their friends out of jail. In order to do it, they have to disguise themselves as humans and <laughs> fit in the only place where sheep standing on each other's shoulders will be easily uh, mistaken for people. The Republican debates. Nice. Zoink! <laughs> From what we can tell from the trailer, the sheep don't actually speak. They just make, well, sheep noises. And the humans don't seem to have any actual dialogue either. Just a lot of grunting and groaning and muffled noises that kind of sound like words but aren't really words. So, hey, perhaps Vin Diesel will be one of the voices. Give him a reason to stay. Wasn't hiding. That's the deal. Take it or leave me. I'm rude. <laughs> to recap, we're excited. But you might want to be cautious. In this recap, actually, Bart will play the part of cautious. Oh, right? okay. It's a story yeah. unlike anything you've seen before. The characters take a trip to the big city. You mean like Smurfs, too? They put on costumes and cross-dress to pass as something else. Like white chicks. And without even a word of dialogue, they wind up teaching a lesson every kid should know. Like PBS. Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. Ardman <laughs> Animation. They've cornered the coveted market of unborn kids with disposable income. <laughs> there you go. Fetuses love the no-dialogue <laughs> movie about sheep. But there is no talking in this one, right? I'm pretty sure that's the deal, yeah. yeah. that's the deal. I think there was a deal on the TV show as well. Which is hilarious because there is a list of voices in the IMDb credits. Like, every character has a different guy grunting for them. <laughs> like, I want this to be Shaun of the Dead Sheep. I Thank want you. It to be I wanted Shaun of the Sheep. I, I really need this to have Simon Pegg in it. I need him to be going ape shit. I On need that sheep. to happen. Yeah. Wait, let's go back for a second. You don't know who Winnebago Man is? No. No. Okay. Yeah. I was hoping that was an actor that we were going to yeah. reveal was no. like. It's this, it's, the, it's this video that went viral about a guy just trying to make a commercial for his RV uh, store. And, and he just. He, he loses. Oh, he loses his shit all the time. <laughs> First of all, go watch the viral video of it. Okay. And then secondly, apparently they made a whole documentary about it. It was on Netflix. I don't is know if he it's like still from is. Milwaukee or something? A small town? Yeah, something like that. I can't Ray remember. Thompson's RV. I want to oh, say in the perfect. south, but um, I'm not sure. He wow. sounded like Ted Knight losing his Yeah, mind. I thought it was going to be revealed yeah. that it was somebody. I thought I should have known who that was. <laughs> oh, it was yeah. great. Ted it Knight loses really his shit on right? Oh, you got to jump on the board with that guy. Uh, yeah, he was one of the first big viral videos, I think. Okay. But this will be a good movie, right? No. No? What? Why? Yes. No, it's Hartman. Oh, I don't know. No. Uh, I still want to have Simon Pegg. Have you not seen the? Have you seen the Wallace and Gromit shorts? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so great. 
And you know what? The sheep don't talk in those either. Now, did they talk in Chicken Run? Was there? Didn't Mel Gibson do a voice? Animals, in animals talk. Yeah, Mel Gibson. But do I'm a voice, curious yeah? to see if there were sheep that didn't. Oh. They have a thing about sheep just not talking. Just not talking. Sheep. All right, hang on. I think sheep didn't talk in the evil, uh, evil chicken. Didn't talk in the Wallace chicken and run? Gromit. Chicken run. either. No, in Wallace and Gromit. Oh, it was okay. an evil chicken. I have a feeling, though, I did not see the Despicable Me's. Uh, I saw Despicable Me, but I did not see the Minions movie. Um, I bet the grunting in this and the little beeper bopper noises won't bug me as much as that. Because I. Beeper bopper You know what I mean? Yeah, the Minions are trying to do like their own language. Yeah. Yeah, this is it just clearly doesn't seem like it's that. It seems like just reactive reaction noise. Like, huh? oh. Oh. Mm. Mm. All right. I can handle reactive noise. Easy noises. way to an IMDb credit. Right? I guess. I could do that. Sweet. Here, I'm going to audition for the next one. Okay, oh. go ahead. Actually, uh give me a sin- I was situation. I'm just going to say be surprised. Oh? Okay, now you're getting shaved up your back with like shears. Now you're arresting a leprechaun. <laughs> and now you're dressing up like Donald Trump. And going on the Republican convention. <laughs> yeah, I bought really? all that. I don't know yeah. what that Frank was. Frank Oz is <laughs> playing Donald Trump. Look for a hand up his ass. Uh, we said he was playing Donald Trump. Speaking yes. of, I need to get you to see uh, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, The Wallace and Gromit right. Adventure. i got to get you to see Chicken Run. No. We'll do a little Aardman in um, the house, and then you'll get excited about Shaun the Sheep, because they're great. But speaking of Shaun voices, well, we'll get to this sheep. later. We'll get to the voices later. Right. I have another comment about voices. What when what when later after the show? No, no. When, when no we do the next, with the next preview, when we do oh, the next okay. preview, yeah. Uh, well, basically, I'll see this uh, because movie pass. All right, our final <laughs> film of the big week. <laughs> ringing endorsement. I'll see this because I won't have to pay for it. Movie pass. Well, movie pay, pass. Why not? Because I can. Okay. <clears throat> That's right. Hashtag because because you can. you can. Our final film of the big weekend has Jason Bateman. Well, then I would like to preview that one, please. Because I can. All right. I guess Night Owl priced himself out of the newest Blumhouse production because the gift stars Jason Bateman, mm. but doesn't need to. Joel Edgerton plays the great school friend Bateman hoped to never see again, who shows up in his life and then won't leave. It's based on the hit drama My Facebook Feed. Ah, <laughs> yes. All right, here we go. Yes. <laughs> yes. The Gift is a mystery thriller about a friend who just keeps showing up and doing nice things but with horrifying consequences. It's single white female meets What About Bob? And all the visits when you're alone. They used to call him Gordo the Weirdo. I think he's nice and he's been very generous. I'm sailing! I'm sailing! I want Bill Murray to just show up in my yard in the pool. I'm sailing! A newly married couple, Simon, played by Jason Bateman, and his wife, Robin, played by Rebecca Hall, moves to Chicago or moves from Chicago to Los Angeles to start their lives together. Simon seems to have the perfect life. I'm very happy. Oh, that's bad. Happy Uh-oh. alert. Get out of your life before it's too late. We've seen these kind of movies. Never be as happy as you are. Please. Won't Shortly. go well. Shortly after arriving in the City of Angels, they run into an old high school friend of Simon's, and the couple's lives are soon thrown into frightening turmoil when this old friend delivers to them a terrifying present. A child? No, no, (laughs) though that would be horrifying. Actually, the movie should be called The Gifts, plural, as this mysterious friend from the past actually leaves many presents for the newlyweds. Twins? Triplets? No, Paul, it is How not a child. How horrifying does it get? It is not a child or children at all, okay. okay? It's gifts like a bottle of wine, koi for their pond, and a bullet through a plate glass window. You know, all the things that say, welcome to Los Angeles. 
Socially awkward Gordon starts showing up unannounced and creeping them out and dropping murdery references over <laughs> dinner. <laughs> After Gordon kills their fish, Robin demands to know more about who he is, which Simon answers by pulling a 25-year-old file out. It's a movie, so this isn't cause to instantly turn and run, leaving a Rebecca Hall-shaped silhouette in the door. <laughs> then the plot thickens quicker than Gordon's boner while watching <laughs> Simon's wife shower. <laughs> Jason Bateman is an amazing actor, and undoubtedly he has the chops to pull off a scary mystery thriller. It's just that, well, for us, it will be hard not to hear the voice of Michael Bluth with every line he delivers. Fish food. You don't find that a little troubling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> that's from wondering the movie. why he got this fish food thing. Fish you know, food. And he, and, but fish food. You don't find that a little troubling. Here <laughs> Joe, at the banana Joe. stand. <laughs> Job. <laughs> George Michael. Don't you find that? George Michael. I find fish food disturbing. Uh, that is the best. And Rebecca Hall adds another beleaguered wife to the Blumhouse Beleaguered <laughs> Wife Hall of Fame as Simon's wife, Robin. But what is the gift? We don't know, as the title and central mystery remain under wraps. The trailer even asks, what's in the box? Oh, uh, what's in the box? <laughs> you may be done with the past, but the past isn't done with you, is the defining quote from the trailer. It's either that or Facebook's new slogan. Hashtag boom. IMDb says this movie is also known as Weirdo. Well, that's about right. Yeah, that's hey, the gift. <laughs> Despite this feeling slightly hackneyed, slightly done before. It, it just feels very familiar. Mm -hmm. um, I really do want to see really, it. I really, I want to see it. And I think it. it's largely because they've made a good trailer in yeah. that I have no idea what the gift is. Me either. I think that I, I didn't even want to know that there was a history. I was already sold. When a guy shows up and he's a little weird, I was done. Yeah. I was there. Then when I found out that there was a history, I was more there, but didn't need to know. But the thing I wanted to bring up earlier was in much like hearing Michael Bluth, no matter what uh, what uh, Jason Bateman says, Dan Castaneda is in Fantastic Four. Oh, really? It's just Homer Simpson. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It, it takes you right yeah. out of that moment to have Homer chiding the school-aged Reed Richards. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, but with Michael Bluth, I don't know. I'll get over it, hey, I guess. What are you doing with your smart power? Okay, so even in our preview... <laughs> Early on for this movie, even in our preview, we say the gift is about a friend who just keeps showing up and doing nice things, but with horrifying consequences. All right, let me well, just... I took some liberty there. Yeah, well, let's take a moment <laughs> and just flip the casting. All right, so I'm Rebecca, and I'm married to the creepy guy. And we're there, and he's not super creepy. He's just, you know, the kind of creepy guy. And Michael Bluth just keeps showing up. Oh. I'd be so psyched. <laughs> it would not be a thriller at all. It'd be amazing romantic comedy because I'd be married to this creepy guy that I thought was nice, but he was kind of a skeevo. Then all of a sudden, Michael Jason Bluth, Bateman shows Jason up. Bateman shows up, and he's got fish, and he's got like he's bringing my dog back, and it's escaped. That would be the greatest movie ever. I'd be totally fine with it. The gift could be herpes, and you'd still, I'd still, you'd still take, take it. it. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, casting, that does show up like some years later, right? It That's does. Like, maybe 25. God, I hope not. Maybe that, you know, casting is everything. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. I've got a gift to stick in your box. Okay. You, know, you could reword that, <laughs> right? Like, whatever. <laughs> well, you want a banger in the mouth? What? We just say banger. We just say banger. <laughs> in the mouth. Oh, but I do like Rebecca Hall. Mm. She'll be great in this. She's I, yeah. Why? Do, what do I know her from? The Town. Ooh. Yeah. And ben uh, Frost Nixon. Okay. And other movies. Yeah. <laughs> she's got the pixie cut. Although I she's she very attractive. She did get the pixie cut. Uh, not my thing. But yeah. 
But I like I like the uh, I like the casting. They look good together. They, I'm telling they you, they look the like casting... they would be married, yeah. right? Together. I would be but, fine just watching them just do normal things like go to Gelson's and get <laughs> something to eat. I really like them as a couple. <laughs> I'd be happy just watching them walk their dog. And for the record, this is more Lee Daniels bullshit because there was a movie called The Gift. Oh. That oh, came yeah. out with Kate Blanchett, right? Wasn't that the uh, oh. same Raimi in that film? I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, why is it not called The Gifts? Yeah, or Lee Daniels, The Gifts. Well, yeah, <laughs> something. It's based on the novel Push by Seth. Right. All right, listen, before we whisk you off to the LA Improv Comedy yes. Fest, as we promised, and our interview with Joel Murray, <gasps> I want to take another moment to acknowledge a sponsor of the show. Yay! Yay money. Reed Martin's book. Thank you, Reed. The Real Truth, Everything You Didn't Know You Need to Know About Making an Independent Film. Now, we've been focusing on this book for mm-hmm. a month or so, and this week's chapter we're going to it's discuss... It's like we're a book club. Yeah, we, we, well, are, we should have one after a while. We should have a book club. This has been fun. We're just going to touch on another chapter here, and again, if you're uh, thinking of making a movie, listen up, because uh, there's lots of good stuff in here. Well, buy the book. Well, buy the book. For well, listen sure. up and be coaxed, too, by the That's book. right. Because listen of, up. You'll want to buy this book. Right. Uh, again, this is just called Documentary, Chapter 14. So we've Ooh. talked about filmmakers who you know have on-set worries about raising money and all this stuff. About losing the keys. Yes. So now we're on stuff. to, what about documentary filmmakers? Well, you know what? Money's still a huge thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people want to do documentaries because they think that it'll be cheaper and easier to get rights and stuff. I would say this is a good film or a good book to get for if you're a filmmaker. But if you're a producer, especially, because uh, yeah. every chapter goes back to money, Doesn't you know, and, uh, but importantly so, you know, mm-hmm. it needs to. And uh, once again, um, Reed has gone out and interviewed great people. You're going to want to hear from me talking about documentaries, like the best, Ken Burns. Really? Werner Herzog. What? Barbara Koppel. What? You wow. Know, and um, Seth Gordon, who made The King of Kong. Oh, Which King is of Kong. There's going to be a kill screen. So they go, <laughs> Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Coming up. Uh, so there's a couple of interesting things he brings up when you talk about making an indie film as a documentarian. First of all, the way you can structure your film, if it's at all possible, can help you make it more attractive to investors oh, and money people. In that, if you give it a three-act structure with interesting characters <laughs> that then someone could say, you know what, we like that documentary and we're going to adapt it into a feature film Ooh. with this and that oh. actor, you have suddenly made your your doc more viable and made your involvement in it more profitable. Right. Um, specifically, he says, uh, to structure a documentary films as if they were narrative films with the same type of compelling character and story arcs that make narrative cinema compelling to wider audiences. A new emerging opportunity exists to sell off the narrative remake rights to well-made docs following a three-act structure and storytelling paradigm. So that's written by Reed, of course. But let's get some of the stuff that were uh, mentioned in here by the folks he interviewed. Uh, for example, okay, Seth Gordon. Right, this okay. I f- this I found interesting. <coughs> the smartest thing we did was to cut a trailer for the film even before we cut the film. He's referring to King of Kong. Okay. Because it was a great way to get interest out there and also it was actually a great way to guide us through the editing of a documentary. Cutting a trailer before we cut the film forced us to tell the story in two minutes. And forcing yes. yourself to tell a story in two minutes is a really good way to know how to tell your story in 90 minutes. Wow. It's like making an elevator speech, but it's in the form of a trailer. Exactly. And he says the trailer they cut became the trailer for the movie when they were finished uh-huh. with it. I've anyway. wondered about this strategy. Now, this is obviously in regard specifically to documentary, but this is a, not an old, but it's not a new strategy to raise money, to cut your trailer and to get interest. And I've always wondered how effective and beneficial that is. It's good to know that that's actually something worth your time, energy, and money. Yeah. Well, you have to get your thoughts straight. Clearly, in order to make a two-minute teaser of your idea, you have to have some idea what yeah. you want to sell. And you think it has as a great marketing tool. But, yeah, it also has mm-hmm. structure 
it, it helps you with your structure in the long run of putting the whole damn thing together. So something I never would have thought of. And he goes on. Uh, so Seth goes on in, in depth about what they call life rights, which is oh, what I was talking that? about. When you want to get your documentary subject on camera, if you can get them to sign life rights, not just rights to use you in this movie, mm. but rights to use you in this movie and perhaps another movie Ooh. that may come of it based on what we were just talking about, oh. about how your documentary could then be made into a narrative film right. with Tom Cruise. Yikes. Why Boy, wouldn't yes. that happen? That's a great idea. <laughs> Who would play Tom you in a movie, Tom Cruise? Well, listen, Reed, uh, the author, thinks King of Kong should be remade with uh, Tom Cruise and Greg Kinnear. Oh! oh. Not such a bad idea. Greg Kinnear. Wanted to put that out there. That would be so fascinating. He's really good at playing crazy. Uh, there's great stories in here about Barbara Koppel, who you know won two Academy Awards, and but at one point she was sitting in her tub crying because she didn't have a whole lot of money. Mm. At one point she was making a movie called American Dream. She had two hundred dollars. That's where you're supposed to do your crying. That's where okay. I do. That so way you're, you're, you're already wet. I've been out but on the front porch. No, crying. in your pu- I've done the tub You've been, crying. You've ignored, ignored the phone calls, <laughs> the signs the neighbors have left. Uh, but pretty cool story in here about how she was making American Dream. She had $200. Next thing you knew, she had $25,200 because Bruce Springsteen cut her a check for $25,000. Uh, well, Let's not all rely too? on the Bruce, the boss, ponying up <laughs> the about The boss okay. is coming Reed over. Reed is not trying to say, nor is Barbara Koppel, that Bruce Springsteen <laughs> will fund your movie. <laughs> I want him to say that. Why can't Seth say that? But, you know, with all the hard work she did, putting feelers out everywhere, suddenly things happen. Well, yeah. Wow. Go make your own destiny. That's right. Get Crying out. in the tubs. Get not out of the damn money. tub. <laughs> Is that so it collects all your tears into one place? It's, blade? it's was, a lot. She didn't less. have any water in the tub. <laughs> it was a dry tub until she was done. But this crying. is what Ken Burns says. Um, you actually don't have to have a talent for documentary filmmaking. Oh. But you have to be ready to get up at 4 a.m. and work for 15 hours a day, seven days a week, because that's what you want to spend your time doing. If you've got that drive, if you feel that sense of purpose, then absolutely go forward with it. But know that your career as a documentary filmmaker is never going to be handed to you. You said 4 a.m.? Now I know why I don't make documentaries. There you go. Because you get up at 8? Noon. Oh, there you go. On a work day. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a whole section here about uh, yeah how to get the investors and... and, uh, Piracy, they talk oh, about it because yeah. if piracy oh. hurts a big movie, but it just kills an indie, f- you know, film yeah. mm-hmm. which, you know, has a has a short, perhaps theater life anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and then if everyone sees it, it just uh, really yeah, I stings. never thought about that. That that really takes a bite out of their revenue. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll s- stick it to Lady Gaga and steal her music all sure, day long, sure. but yeah, and then uh, you know, hitting up the right people who have uh, uh, a topic, you know, like. I think the example they've given here is the Sloan Foundation. Um, you will, if you're talking to them about a film you want to do for a, about Andy Warhol, you, know, you may not have the, mm. as much luck as if you're doing something about breast cancer. Then they may be interested. So targeting those sources of money to your project. So Makes sense. All that stuff is in here and more. And, of course, as we said, uh, great interview. I'll leave you with one last thing Ken Burns right. said. There's no career path in documentary film, none whatsoever, which is – both a blessing and a curse. It's a curse because you can't always figure out the right path to take, but it's a blessing because you get to find your own way. The best advice, of course, is don't give up because if you know that making documentaries is what you really want to do, then more than any other type of filmmaking, you'll get there. Ah. Oh, well, so that's, that's a little, inspiring. A little inspiring. Did, yeah. he, uh, did, you, did you notice if you talked to Michael Moore? I don't know that, yeah. but you know, there's a number of other chapters we haven't touched. Because i got a beef with him. We'll, we'll skip that. All right. <laughs> You've had a beef with Michael Moore forever. I have. I, from from day one, when I saw Roger and me in film class back in college, I said, this guy ain't right. This oh. guy new is- New film coming out, by the way. He really? secretly and quietly- What is it? Made a new film that'll come out in the fall. Uh. I can't remember. I don't know. But I just found it interesting- 
That, yeah, that hurt I'm, nothing. I'm thinking he can't make movies anymore because everyone's been like, "Here's Michael Moore, kick that yeah. bastard out of here," you know. But I guess he's made another film. God. Maybe he lost a bunch of weight and he slips right in. Nobody knows it's him. Combed his hair, you. took a shower, can't Lee, recognize him. Doubtful. Bart, he's from Michigan. Bart, there was something kind of special about Michael Moore though, because my mom, whenever she was diagnosed with cancer and she was really sick, I would go and spend time with her, and we would watch SCTV, and that would keep her mind off sure. of it. And the other thing would that keep was John her, Candy, not Michael Moore. No, 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 that was John Candy. Another thing, so clearly a comedy would keep her mind off it. But the other thing that would keep her mind off of her sickness, and she'd get so pissed, <laughs> was watching Michael Moore documentaries because she would get so pissed at the Nike people and all of uh, what was that one called? Um, that was the big one. The big yeah. one. Bowling she'd, for Columbine. Phil Knight. All of those would just piss her off. She would just get so angry. That it was great. It was really good. Yeah, it just right. made her mad at something he, other than being sick. He makes me angry, too. Yeah. All awesome. right. Now, listen, as we promised, we're taking you back in time <laughs> to last Ooh. Sunday, August Ooh. 2nd, on the IOS main stage in Hollywood, California. We had the stage to ourselves as we did some jokes and bits, as we are prone to doing. But then we went in-depth on a new documentary called I Am Chris Farley, and joining us was an actor whose career has spanned everything from One Crazy Summer yep. to Mad Men and God Bless America. The great Joel Murray joined us. And I'm Chris Farley is in theaters now, so let's play a clip from the trailer, then we'll take you to the fest. How can we get back on the right track? Anytime you get to talk about Chris Farley is a good day, man. Well, the frickin' God! Funniest guy ever. It was nuts, nuts. When I walk through Chicago with him, oh my God, it's Chris Farley, it's Chris Farley, it's Chris Farley. Everybody cries for this, right? <laughs> Natural ability is just natural. I haven't had sex with a woman. I don't know how that works. Make like an egg and beat it. And he was infectious. And he was kind. And he was a puppy dog. He was a, this boy that wanted to do good, but then there was this other side of him. So his whole life was this constant battle. Success in show business does not always create the best version of people. And also thinking that you have the physical capacity to handle it, because you know, you may think that you can handle it. It's not gonna change me. When you say I'm old Chris, yeah. nothing's gonna happen. It's a tough thing to deal with that kind of fame when you're that fame, and if it happens fast, it's almost lethal. The 13th annual Los Angeles Improv Comedy Festival. Hey, let's hear it for us. We're very... Thank you. We're very, used to, we're very used to saying from the Admirals <laughs> Club. That is our uh, normal home in Burbank, California. But here we are on the road uh, in, in Hollywood, California at the I.O. West Theater. Oh, so, I think we are literally in Hollywood. We are. Live from Hollywood. Map-wise, you know, yeah. Yeah, geographically. If you were to drop a pin on it, that's this where we us. are. And already chiming in and joining us here all show long is uh, a Second City alum who was a regular as Freddie Rumson on the recently wrapped Mad Men. Also appeared on Dharma and Greg, Monsters University, The Artist, Best Picture, and of course the Bobcat Goldthwait directed God Bless America. Joel Murray is with Yay, us. Hey, Joel Murray. Pleasure to be here as always. All right. And as ever, we're here prepping you hey, for the He's on the two timers club. Yeah, he's a returning. Yeah. yeah, very short I, list. I'm going to put re recurring now on my <laughs> movie guy's recurring role. I better see that on IMDb. <laughs> well, no, I want to get on to what did you see this week because we uh, we all saw the new documentary. I did yes. see this. I am Chris Farley. Yep. Now, this was a, a, a documentary interviewing tons of people who have worked with him, showing clips from all over the place, some rare Second City clips I had never seen before. Yeah. And um, if I, you know, 
Well, from what I've heard about Pixels, this will be the best Adam Sandler movie you will see all year. So <laughs> that's, that's your goal. Check it out. Uh, right now it is in theaters. He plays against type in this one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Uh, everything seems to be going well for him. Yeah. Um, he's coherent. And he doesn't have a 20-year-old wife. Not yeah, he plays, a, plays against type. There's no hot bras. He's not married to Selma Hayek. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he, this uh, film will be on Spike TV later in August. It's also going to think I go out on uh, on demand, and uh, we all saw it. So, uh, with that, what did you all think? I thought it was a wonderful celebration. Um, I had heard some discussions about maybe it being a little soft. I didn't think so. I thought they talked about all the the, the important issues. It was a wonderful tribute. Uh, of, of an amazing uh, personality. I actually ended up with more questions about him, wondering what he was really like as a human being than, than were answered. And I don't know if, if there is an answer and if anyone really knew that. And I, it, I, I experienced that when Mike Myers was talking about all his interactions with, with Chris, and it seemed like Chris was always that guy. He was always Chris Farley, to be you know stupid about it. But is that the genius, or is that just who he was, and he figured out if I put this on TV... I mean, do you have any insight to that, Joel? I mean, I mean, what's, when Wait, for those, he... let me. This is for those who don't know. Joel was in a Second City cast with Chris back in the day, and a Tim Meadows, and who else was in your troupe? Uh, Dave Pasquazi, Holly Wartell, Judith Scott, Joe Liss, and uh, did we say Tim Meadows? Yeah, yeah. Tim Meadows. I lived uh, above a Mexican restaurant across the street from the Second City, and there were two apartments above, and Farley had the front, and I had the back, and uh, so we lived next to each other for about two and a half, three years, and there was it was not a coincidence that Joyce Sloan, the head of the Second City, got him the apartment in front of me, but it was kind of like, this kid's coming, and you've got to look after him. And, uh, <laughs> so I like inherited this, I used to call him my yellow lab, but I, he, was, he was like a bad dog, in a way. You know, you just do something, then he'd give you a look, and you're like, oh, come here. You know? and I literally used to make him sit in the same chair in my apartment all the time. It was a wicker chair you couldn't stain. And, um, <laughs> After a while, there was actually a visible stain on the carpeting where I made him sit all the time. But it was like, Chris, sit. And uh, he, would, he would obey. But um, it was... But I, was I, that I, him? I know a lot about him from the day. Yeah. But that, was that him, or was he always on? Was he just that guy? I mean, where, where did the persona and the person separate? He had a lot of energy. Uh, he was afraid of the dark. He didn't like to go to sleep when it was dark. He liked to go to sleep when the sun was coming up. Um, he uh, was a vampire. He would, might, might have been a vampire. Uh, <laughs> you he heard was, it first here, kids. The old Wisconsin vampire. Yeah, yeah I hear a bunch about that. He was on a lot. It, um, it was just the sweetest guy. But I mean, living next to him, you saw him when he wasn't on, uh, when he was, you know, tired. I, I remember. There's a million stories, but uh, I, I remember one time he. he came and knocked on my door and he's like, yeah, Joel, uh, I had a, a professional question for you. Um, <laughs> so I, I had an uh, audition this morning and uh, I, I got a call back and I got a call back this afternoon. I'm like, well, that's great. Yeah. Mm. No, I was tripping on mushrooms this morning. So <laughs> when I go for the call yeah. back, should I, I'm like, well, if you study high, you should take the test high. <laughs> uh, I've always heard that in college. And, uh, so he went back for the callback, and he ate more mushrooms and, and just kept at it. But uh, He was a, a huge student of comedy in the fact that he, he knew every line of all, every movie. So when he was on, a lot of times he was doing old movies, and he was doing bits from things like that. And he, he never, like, stole them outright. He kind of made them his own. Uh, but he, uh, 
he used to quiz me all the time, and he would say a line from a movie, and then go, movie. I'm like, I it's your brother's movie. Like, oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Razor's Edge? No! And he, he would get mad at me because I didn't have them memorized. But, uh. but was that, that's what I'm getting at. Is that, was that sincere or was that a persona? Was he putting on, was he acting? Because you did the same thing that Mike, Mike Myers did in the movie, which is you did an impersonation of Chris Farley talking to Chris Farley, and he, he felt feels like it was that guy from you remember when you were in the Beatles that kind of guy yeah the Chris Farley show mm-hmm. yeah that was him that was that the was closest you, you, you'd see it. and the fact that I actually knew Belushi I had this like I was a god to him because oh, right. I, I had yeah. met Belushi and that was you know he, he couldn't believe that <laughs> his head would explode just when I would tell a story that had Belushi in it uh, but yeah he was he was kind of the Chris Farley show in real life so he just figured out how to put that on stage and how to be well, yeah, and he nobody committed like he did. I mean, he would he would take a character and he would go just balls out and 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 do it. I remember we had a scene in our Second City show called The Whale Boy, where Chris was the spawn of medical waste and a, and a whale, of course. and we tried to pass him <laughs> off like Pygmalion uh, in society, and um, it was hysterical. And he had a football helmet that shot well milk. Uh, it was the goofiest thing, and it was a musical number as well. But um, It sounds like the perfect sketch. But the opening, the last preview, he went to exit, and the doorknob, he, he ripped the doorknob <laughs> off the door, and so he decided to just jump into the audience, and he jumped into the crowd and broke his ankle and did the rest of the show. And at the end of the show, he's like, yeah, I... Uh, I, uh, I think I broke my ankle. And uh, but sure enough, <laughs> midway through the second act, he had broken his ankle and just continued. Sure. Yeah, he was a rugby player. We saw one performance, I think. He showed up at a set once. We right lucked after. out and we saw the thing you want to see Chris Farley do. Yeah. Matt Foley? He was so, a very similar character, but he was so busy being so physical and so crazy and wonderful. He just split his pants <laughs> from front to back and just didn't care. He <laughs> just didn't care. Yeah. Well, I used to get to see his mother would send him these packages wrapped in like green paper from a cleaners or somewhere I don't know where the hell it was but they'd be brand new they were preppy the, the, the Farleys they were mm-hmm. blue blazer yeah. khaki type of guys but he would get a brand new Brooks Brothers shirt a brand new pair of Brooks Brothers khakis and he always wore the, like these black army boot kind of shoes and you'd see him put these on at 9 in the morning or whatever, and then you, later, like 4 in the morning, we'd be partying after the bar closed at my house, and he would have both sleeves would be ripped off. He would have a visible <laughs> scotch stain on his white T-shirt underneath it. The sh- buttons are gone, rips in the pants. Mm-hmm. It's like, Chris, I saw you put those on this morning. I... I I'm hard on clothes. <laughs> and, uh, just, I have a friend like that who you just you can't tuck him in enough, yeah. right? You, you get him in a suit, you tuck him in, you turn around to grab something. You're, what the hell just happened to this guy? Yeah. <laughs> there's a collar out, there's a shirt tail out. He was on Letterman looking like that. It's you just can't tuck him in enough. No. You looked away for two seconds. I, yeah, <laughs> I think the, um, we got to work with Kevin, his brother, in our class at Second City, so we got to know him. And so whenever we do our level five show. Kevin, of course, would invite his family, and Chris was always really supportive when he was in town. He would come see our craptastic show, but he would laugh as if every single thing everyone did was the greatest thing you've ever heard. And it was neat because in those classes, there's some people that want to be professional actors, but then there's this lovely, nice girl like Quintess who's just sweet, 
and isn't the most ridiculously funny person, but you would think he loved her just as much as he loved everybody else. And it was cool to have him out there supporting everybody. That is a distinct and uh, reassuring laugh. It's a good to hear laugh from, to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that from, from the back of the house. Yeah, suddenly you feel like, hey, my shit don't stink. Yeah, he this was is cool. good. But it's funny, the movie uh, I Am Chris Farley makes so much of, the, a big portion of it is about the. Uh, the sketch down by in a van down by the river, yeah. which was originally written by Bob Odenkirk at the Second City, and they talk about it in the movie quite a bit about Chris didn't write. And uh, yes, I remember the first right. time in when Del Close was directing us, and he was in our company. Uh, he's like, "Now, Chris, do you have anything?" And he was, <laughs> "Well, you know how there's rich people and there's there, there's poor people. That's that's not right." <laughs> and I remember Del going. That is the fattest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, um, he wasn't a writer, but he literally took a Second City sketch and did it on national television on Saturday Night Live, word for word, but, which is totally illegal. Right. Yeah, Second City owns it. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to ask him that, about <laughs> how like, that stuff translates. Yeah, he, but there's a whole big portion of the movie is about this sketch. I'm like, yeah, Maybe downplay that. That right. was plagiarism where I come from. <laughs> was anything? It was. There, was there ever hay made of that? Did like. I guess not. And Odenkirk in the movie seems fine with it. Yeah. Um, well, he wrote it, and then he went on to write for SNL. Yeah. Is that true? So just maybe he carries some of the the copyright. I don't with know him? if you can do that either, though. Can you? Um, I don't at, know. At most, yeah, fifty percent. Well, I've heard Wayne Campbell premiered at a stage somewhere, and then became Wayne's World. On SNL, I, I know movie, some Canadian so. people say that they did Wayne Campbell before Mark uh-huh. Myers ever saw it. Uh, I heard whenever you uh, there was a Toronto Second City scene where oh. it's, uh, it was Wayne and Nancy, and uh, Myers moved into that role. It was originated by somebody else, and then that was. And Carvey just didn't want to play Nancy. <laughs> I heard whoever gets it on TV first wins. There you go. Mm. That's how it is. Wait a minute, Joel. Are you meaning to suggest that what? there are some things in Hollywood that might not be as honest and straightforward as we think they are? Because this is going to break my heart about the industry I love. Don't get me started. Okay. <laughs> I have a question for you because I found that the similarities between um, being that John Farley, also one of his brothers, is a comedian, Kevin, who we know. And then he has another brother who I don't know. Tom. Yep. Tom. So there's this whole clan, and they all... We're brought up together with one sister, I believe. Oh, do you think yeah. you should uh, golf them? You should like, go out and <laughs> you guys should golf off. Compete golf them. Off. Ooh. Yeah. Have you ever golfed the uh, Farley clan? I've never golfed with the Farley family. Okay. No, no. <laughs> I'm just curious if there's something to be said about being funny to get attention in a family where everyone's funny. Because I know, obviously, everyone in your family is pretty funny, too. Even your sister's got a show. Is there something maybe that helped Chris became who he was? Well, yeah, I, I think the same way we all tried to entertain my father, who was a very slow eater. They say the same <laughs> thing about uh, Farley House, that mm-hmm. uh, their father was a huge eater. He just continued to eat, but uh, they all tried to make him laugh. Right. It was the same kind of thing. Uh, and you learn a lot about timing and shutting up when you're supposed to and then being you know, forward when you're... I'm working on that right now. Yeah, there you go, good too. work, good yeah. work. Could be better. I blame my father for my lack of success. He, he gave me plenty of attention, supportive. Son of a bitch. In the movie, you get a feeling that Chris's father is very much like Chris. Yeah, and the movie is very kind uh, in that it doesn't mention anything bad about anybody. Uh, right. I mean, even Chris's death is just kind of like, and then he died. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no, hey, hey, Whitney Brown, why did you tell Chris Farley how to do heroin, asshole? Uh, there's none of that. Uh, <laughs> And there's no talk I, about the father who used to say things like, 
Who are these people that say you can't have a drink with your father? That's stupid. Like, Dad, I just got back from rehab. Come on, have a scotch with your dad. You know, there, there's none of that is played up. And uh, the, I don't know how you felt about the movie, but I mean, just the fact that Tim Meadows isn't in the movie, who was with Farley his entire career. How do you not interview Tim Meadows and you get Bob Saget instead? Uh, you know, how does... It, it, I had a little trouble with Bart some of that. Bart came right out of the gate and he said, I am lacking a little Joel Murray in this movie. Yeah, I noticed that you he were... He noticed that right there. away. Well, and Pat Finn, I could tell, was going to the story about how they, you know, came from Marquette mm-hmm. and um, they came and saw us at uh, Second City one night and I... I had this happen with various actors over the years, but you come out and you get done with the show and you come out and there's a couple guys like waiting there for you and you know you're not going to get punched. Right? Yeah. And then it's right away, it's like, oh, hi, uh, we want to buy you a beer. Yeah. And I, okay, and Pat Finn was a friend of mine's little brother, so we went across the street and we had like nine beers together with Finn mm-hmm. and Farley. But it's, I always was like, well, you got to find Del Close. you got to study with him. Take some classes at Second City. Tell Joy Sloan you're willing to paint the bathroom, which was like code, I've got no money. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I, I could tell that Pat Finn was kind of going to that story, but mm, no, didn't go there. Uh, instead, we, we get a weepy-eyed Bob Saget. Yeah. <laughs> well, I took the movie very much as just a celebration of him, and which I think yeah. is a fair—it's—it's it's a fair movie to make if that's the movie you want to make. It's not an expose; they're not diving deep. Here, here's a great person, and here are great things about him. Um, it obviously leaves the door open for a much more intensive evaluation of him as a human being. I, I just there, there's a music bed under the whole thing. It moves yeah. very, very quickly. You don't realize how long this movie is. It's when very it's well done. It's well it's, shot. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, so I let it kind of go down in that, in that regard. I'll mm-hmm. tell you, I get disappointed by uh, uh, musical biopics because every time I watch one, uh, Walk the Line or Ray or whatever, it's, I'm always saddened to realize, hey, I liked this guy. Turns out he's a huge asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like yeah, it's kind of good yeah. to, to see. Uh, you know, and this was produced by Kevin, so the, he's not going to do huge investigative journalism about drug use and all that. He's gonna, well, yeah, I'm glad they left out the hooker that was in the papers yeah. the day after he died. I'm a whore. I was there. Yeah. I'm like, don't you have parents? You're, you're <laughs> screaming on television you're a whore? Uh, come on now. But I'm, I'm glad they left her out, and I'm, I'm glad there wasn't you know, the, the footage of a Chicago cop car in front of the Hancock building and yellow tape and shit like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was very nice in, in that aspect. And it, people were, were treated well and with respect. This is why I choose my idols like Tom Cruise, because there's just <laughs> nothing wrong with Tom. Can't. You don't have to worry about some skeletons coming out of the closet None. or some insanity in his life. It's, no. He's just Tom Cruise. He's so black and white. He's so Tom Cruise. He's the cruisiest. You, you said uh, Chris never wrote, but did he have any sort of dream projects that we never got to see fulfilled? Because... That was 18 years ago now that Chris passed away. So, yeah. I mean, there was 18 wow. years of stuff. And would, he, would he do a drama like Dan Aykroyd or Eddie Murphy eventually did? Or? Well, the, the thing that I kind of was doing in my head while I was watching the movie, I was like, his entire career from start to finish was only nine years. And wow. I think about the fact that I was in charge of kind of watching him for three years and making sure he wasn't in trouble. And I, I just kept thinking, like, 
who are the motherfuckers that were in charge of watching him the last three years? I was you know? thinking the I, same I, that's thing. That's all I could think of. His, yeah. his whole career was only nine years long. It was, a, you know, you talk about a, a yeah. meteoric uh, And rise. even if it was just purely selfish reasons, like he is your breadwinner, he is your meal ticket, wouldn't you have a vested interest in, in making well, sure that he stays know, around? He did go to rehab 17 times. 17. Yeah. Uh, people Nine tried, times. but... Yeah. Uh, you can't be with him all the time, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I what was the show you did at, uh, at Second City, and did it have an or in the title? <laughs> uh, no, we we did uh, the Gods Must Be Lazy was one uh, or and tired no, no. or no or that's oh, oh yes there was or there is life after death yeah. and then uh, we did uh, it was thirty years ago today which no or but that was the thirtieth <laughs> anniversary show oh gotcha best of stuff no oh. no it was. It was that had Whale Boy on it. It was, oh, okay. it was an all-new show. Yeah. And this was directed by Dell. We brought Dell Close back to direct uh, the first one, The Gods yeah. Must Be Lazy. And we thought, you know, what a coup. We got Dell to come back mm-hmm. to the second city. And uh, then we realized Dell, not a great director, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I was curious about that. Week, but, yeah. uh, he was so busy rebelling about everything. It's like, well, you know, you want to have a, a musical number at the end. And uh, we're going to do it like a train running into a wall. Uh, so we, we started with a musical number and ended with three blackouts, which is the opposite direction of a, a, yeah. a regular Second City show. And uh, the first time I ever improvised with Farley, he came up to do the improv set. And uh, I had met him uh, the first time with Pat Finn, and then he actually came with Finn to my Super Bowl party when the, the Bears won the Super Bowl and immediately put a hole in my wall. Uh, him and Finn were fucking around and went right through the drywall. So I had to put a, a Bears poster after, over that for years. But um, the first time he improvised with us, he came up and we got the suggestion of a drunk tank. And I said, all right, uh, you and I will go. I'm your dad picking you up a drunk tank. He's like, oh, X, yeah, all right. And proceeds to chug like a, a pitcher of beer. And uh, we went out and we did this scene where I was a father picking him up the drunk tank, and I was just as much of a drunk as he was. And uh, I have on a pajama top underneath a trench coat and, you know, kind of thing. And I had, you know, lines like, I, I remember the night your mother left me. Well, vaguely, but, you know, I told her I was going to prove something to her. You're my proof, you know. And uh, it would go back and forth uh, where he would try to stand up to me, and then he would, you know, and I had a billy club that Pasquese gives me at the top of the scene, so anytime I, I could hit the back of his chair with a billy club that looked really frightening. Um, but we improvise a scene, and Dell comes back afterwards and goes, well, that's done, script that, that's it. And we had the two-person relationship scene that opened the show, basically, for the next six months. But uh, first-time improvisation. Uh, wow. Eight-page scene or something like that. That's awesome. Now, back then, uh, you... Do you feel a sense of great validation that this came from Dell because Dell has this great legacy already by then? Oh, we were we drank the Kool Aid. We were such yep. Dellites, you know. We we worshipped uh, at the altar, and uh, you know, we, you did everything. We, after you, we performed for him three nights a week. We took classes with him two nights a week, and you know, you always tried to scrape up a joint and go back to Dell's house and bring an offering. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the next thing you know, you're listening to Dell tell stories in a, a pair of tidy whities and a white t-shirt, and he had track marks everywhere. Oh. And it was just kind of, ah. And his apartment was, was frightening. I mean, there literally was a cat bowl in the kitchen with a pentagon of rat poison around it. <laughs> well, they're, they're smarter than rats, so that's good. Um, 
But uh, it, was, it was an amazing time, uh, and we had great people come through at that point, and I was lucky to be there then. But uh, when he came to directing, he kind of he quit on us after a while, and uh, we had such, such high hopes. It is a sin to blaspheme Dell in this room. Yeah, it's a little but tricky, but yeah. It's also a sin that they didn't repaint the picture of Dell after they soundproofed that wall. <laughs> oh, that's didn't, true. didn't somebody think, hey, we should fucking paint that back. That was cool. <laughs> so until they do that, I'm going to continue to blaspheme. You ever see him perform? Dell? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We started out at the Improv Olympic in 84 when we started. Uh, we'd have three heralds, and Dell would do 10 minutes of stand-up before every show. Oh, cool. So, like, you know, the night the Challenger blew up, Dell came out and did, you know, 10 minutes on the Challenger. Oh, come on. Uh, who never tied a grasshopper to a bottle rocket, right? <laughs> you, knew what, you knew what was going to fucking happen, right? And, uh, and he would light one cigarette off the other while he was doing his act. And, uh, yeah, no, I didn't see him in the 60s and went at the Second City or anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you see him do improv? Improvisation? Or no, 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 just stand up. Well, it was interesting to see those clips in the film. I think there's not a lot of, I don't think I've seen a lot of clips of Dell back in the day pontificating. So in the in the movie when he they showed clips of him, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I ca- I started taking classes with him later when he would just cough a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would cough at you from the bar, and yeah. mm-hmm. he knew what to do. Did Chris have a love of his life? Did you ever get that feeling? I mean, there's a girl uh, who's. Yeah, what's it was her story? Uh, interviewed who seemed to attend a lot of premieres and mm-hmm. things with him, but did she he have was a, a f- trip? Huh? She was she someone was. else. Wow, yeah. didn't age well. I'm no. just saying, beautiful, no, just not so well. Uh, but <laughs> who else would say that? Yeah, well, well I'm just saying. I mean, except you. I'd like to bring a. Did little, you not you know, notice that she was a Victoria's Secret model? I honestly, when when they went back and showed her <sighs> in vacation, I'm like, that's not the same woman. You're so stupid. I'm, yeah. I'm easily fooled by color change of hair. Well, but he, had, uh, he was absolutely nuts about Holly Wartell when we were in the Second City. And oh. They had a love-hate thing where he, she was constantly slapping his hands away from her. Um, but then he had a, an assistant that uh, I thought they were really tight, and I, I thought that was going to turn into something. That was the most upsetting thing about going up to Madison for his funeral, is that you know, here you had all these dishes out and all the mothers and all these people at this Catholic church had, set up this spread and everything had cheese on it um but we we just kept saying to ourselves god damn why are we not here for this guy's wedding why Uh, why are we here for this and uh it was it was one of the more upsetting things about it just like ah i'm still angry about it and and seeing the movie the other night i'm still fucking angry at, at whose job was it to watch him that week you know i agree i don't understand how he was left alone. Uh, or he's an adult, and you have to I leave adults alone. I know he's an alone. adult, but, 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 but I don't know. You're an adult, and if I saw that I happening to you... I'm constantly left alone. And I don't even like you. I would be there. But it, it, it's one of those things when you're an addict, and um, you don't hang around with the people that are good for you. Right. And, and you know, so you end up with... With that prostitute girl is all happy. And, and hookers yeah. and, and weirdos that want to, you know, make the monkey, you know, wind them up, make the monkey go. And uh, you... So you avoid the people that love you and uh, want to help you, and you, you hang out with the, the worst of the worst. Uh, it's interesting you should say that angry, because I thought the only guy who was really angry in the film was Odenkirk. Yeah, yeah. he seemed And nice. I'm a big fan of his for 20 years yeah. now, and it seemed like he brought some real truth to that interview, or at least the, you, know, you never know what subject to editing with everyone's interview. But I, I, I enjoyed the fact that he got angry. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think we all are. You know? and 
Well, I I'm thought Bo Derek brought a real perspective on things. <laughs> it was she, nice to she's see. From Tommy Boy. It was nice to see. Her. <laughs> like all of a sudden, Bo Derek's here talking about. Shut up, how did she age? Did you think? Wonderfully. There you go. Okay, well, right. I'm just as a point of comparison. Thank let's you. Let's just use Bart. those two as examples. Oh. I'm just saying. All right. Well, listen. The movie is I am Chris Farley again at the NoHo Seven here in Hollywood, uh, North Hollywood, okay. for a while. And I'm going to be on Spike TV. I think they had a hand in producing it. So later in the month of August, that will uh, be there. No doubt hitting uh, on demand as well. I'm not sure exactly where, but I think you can go to imchrisfarley.com and learn more about the film. Joel, what do you got coming up? I saw you just directed an episode of Mike and Molly. Oh, I did that. Um, I love that show. I, they're the nicest people in the world to work it with. It is such a funny show. Billy Gardell is the sweetest man I've ever seen. He's just <laughs> a, a great guy. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to direct that anymore because Melissa McCarthy's guy got all the episodes. Uh, but I'm going to go back <laughs> as an actor shortly, actually. Oh, good. Uh, hey. just uh, put a pin in me, which is always some sort of voodoo uh, for actors. Um, <laughs> I have a movie coming out, Bloodsucking Bastards, written by the Dr. God guys from here. Uh, cool. Written and produced and, and done really well. Uh, and that comes out in the beginning of September, September 4th or something like that. Do you play a character similar to the one where you're a little off? Oh, what is the movie that we saw? Joel Murray? No, no, no. Oh. The one that you go and you kill those God bless kids. America. God bless America. I loved that movie. Well, watch it again. I loved That's, it. Uh, All right. <laughs> and pay a full That was fun. Full uh, no, it was good. But yeah, I've got a, a bunch of little movies. Uh, Sophie and the Rising Sun, like an art. I didn't know Dr. God was movie. making a film. That's, that's interesting. That's cool. No, yeah, and, that's uh, cool. I, they got a lot of stuff going on. I, I think about all the improv groups I was in and how unambitious they were. <laughs> uh, these guys really go after it. And uh, Bloodsucking Bastards is really funny. Cool. Cool. All right. So, well, uh, I think this is the only way to go out on the show, right? Thanks to Joel Murray. Everybody give Joel a big round of applause for sharing stories with us and bringing the truth. Uh, you can find us at... Oh, will you, will you be doing Joel Murray and Friends again anytime soon here at IO? Uh, we're going to start up after the summer and we're going to get back to it. But uh, yeah, we took a hiatus, but we'll be back after the summer. Yeah, if you get a chance to see Joel Murray and Friends, he's bringing lots of great alumni from Second City, from IO, and they put on a great show here. Uh, and you can check out everything we're up to at themovieguys.net, of course, uh, at themovieguys as well. Do you have a Twitter? Do you, do you have Twitter? The, uh, uh, Joel Murray, 9 of 9. Joel Murray, 9 of 9. All right, that was our, uh, our Sunday afternoon at IO West. Very telling. I Very, love Joel Murray. Yeah. I love his bright blue clear eyes. I was I was impressed I with how he kind of cut through a lot of stuff. How did you what? not How did you not sit next to him? How did you allow that? Oh yeah, how that happen? I can't happen? handle it. You took I your normal to, place over here. I have to give myself space because otherwise I won't be able to concentrate. Yeah, I need to be able to see him. See, when I'm further away from him, I can see him. Ah, oh, you're right. right. Mm. You want to take it all in? I take it all in. I don't need to see Bart. Yeah, I see yeah. him all the time. There's nothing to take in. Here. No. <laughs> all right, Karen. Once you take center stage now, we'll, yes. we'll hit our uh, weekly celebration of the birthdays of those <gasps> who make the movies. Let's take things home with Karen's birthdays. Hit it. <laughs> Let's start off our week of birthdays by wishing a very happy birthday to Mr. John Landis. Happy birthday, John Landis. There you go. He turned 65, but can he can play anywhere from a director of comedies to a real-life director of tragedy. Ooh. Yeah. What did he direct? This is kind of crazy here, Bart. When I was looking up stuff about John Landis, I was yeah. all excited. You know, Blues Brothers and all that good stuff. Trading places. Trading places, right. I found out that he was the director that was acquitted of the three deaths of the actors who were killed in that helicopter accident. Yes, but on the only Twilight because. Zone movie. 
What happened? Tell me more. It's well, so horrible. There's a there's a lot of like conspiracy theories yeah. behind that. Whether Spielberg was in the building or he wasn't in the building, who was in charge of that? So um, please tell us some yeah. as if they're fact. I know. Well, no, I don't I'm just know saying that. Deal. I'm just I'm giving you room to say maybe he wasn't the most culpable human being in that, oh. and it might not have been entirely his doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if anyone has seen the footage. No, it I is haven't. Insanely horrible. Wait, um, they were hit by a helicopter. They were just blade. cut in half. Why? Why yeah. were they that close? So, well, the scene is, um, who was who were the actors? Vic Morrow Vic and Morrow, then like some, two children. Uh, yeah, two right? children. Jeez. And so Vic is pulling them out of a helicopter that has crashed into a lake or a pond. And as he's running, they're running through waist deep water, oh so they're kind of trudging through. And the helicopter tips over, <gasps> and the blades just come right through these three people. Mm. And there's. There's no hope. I mean, there's nothing left of them, right? Oh, happy birthday. Um, so, I again... Shit <laughs> <laughs> on John Landis' birthday. Oh, no, I'm, I, so I say all this to say John wasn't piloting the helicopter. I don't know who... Oh, so it was perhaps most, a stunt that went awry. It, oh, it clearly went wrong. It, you know, something failed or God. broke or didn't do what it was supposed to do. Or, But, you know, I don't know how much you can say, well, that's the director's well, fault. Wait, well, we just said he was the director. But you he, said he was in, indicted they, they or... They said that he was acquitted of acquitted, the deaths. Yeah. Acquitted. So, so he, he was, was taken to trial. He was indicted. He was... Paul, before. someone said you did this and you're going to be held responsible. No. No. <laughs> Paul didn't Paul say that. Paul didn't say that. Mm. <laughs> so thank you for clearing that up. That yeah. was horrific. Do not and look it up. Do not watch this online. Okay. It's out there. Yes. You all know Do Mr. not watch the photo of the motorcycle accident at 100 miles an hour in South America. Okay. What? No. No. What? And do not watch the all guy right, who gave on. the speech and he shot himself, the, cur- the, oh, the congressman. No. Okay, don't watch that. Don't either. watch that either. <sighs> and don't watch. You know what you can watch? Just go to my page and you'll see my feed. And there's a lot of corgis. There's like Mr. Peanut. He's in New York and he says hi every morning. <laughs> Karen has reduced her Facebook feed to Bill Murray stories and doggies. And doggy peanut stories. Um, you all know Mr. Landis from his work as the director of the Blues Brothers Trading That's Places what we know him from. National Lampoon's Animal House. But do you know what his first movie was? I do. Oh, Paul. Paul. The Kentucky Fried Movie. Was it? That's not what I have here. I have a satirical horror film where he wrote, directed, and starred in called Schlock. Oh, that must have been before that. That's before it, but then (laughs) maybe after that. Well, if you're talking about the first movie he did, that's the one. This is the one he probably did in film school. But um, he did Kentucky Fried Movie. He did. All right. Yeah, with the uh, Zucker Abram Zucker. And nobody was chopped in half? Success. All right. (laughs) Who else's birthday is it? (laughs) Also, I just want to tell you that he did a famous music video. Do you know what music video he directed? Uh, Thriller? Chopper? Yeah. No. Thriller. Who else is having a birthday? And let's next up, let's wish a happy birthday to Mamie Gunner. Oh, really? Mamie Gunner killed a guy while drunk driving. Who turns 32. (laughs) (laughs) She can play anywhere from acting like a daughter to being an actor's daughter. If you don't recognize the name, let me tell you. Let's clarify. It's Meryl Streep's daughter. (sighs) Does the name Meryl Streep ring a bell to you, Bart? It do. Okay. Well, Mamie first appeared with her mother on screen when she was just a little baby. Paul, do you know what the name of that film was? Before and after. Heartburn. Heartburn. Schlock part two. (laughs) This week she's at it again playing Meryl Streep's daughter in Ricky and the Flash. But what other movies did Meryl and Mamie, her real real name is actually Mary, but everyone in the family has Mary for a name and these are their little nicknames. Uh, What other movie did they appear in together? There's two that I know of people too. Hmm. That they both were Paul, I know you know one of them because we saw it together. Music of the Heart. No, that was Gloria Stefan. But Meryl Streep was in it. Yeah, but not with 
the, and Meryl Streep didn't play her daughter. So yeah, I but Gloria Stefan uh, isn't her daughter. I'm saying, what movie did Mamie play Meryl Streep's daughter? I know. No, just be in the movie with oh. her. Oh. She doesn't have to play her daughter. Oh, my God. Um, Silkwood. No. no. That's way back. Paul, you saw this movie with me. With, we saw it together. Mm-hmm. Julia and Julia. No, the Holmesman. The Iron with Tommy Lady. Lee Jones and Hillary Swank. August Osage About County. the woman. No, that. Eat oh, your she fucking fish, that. mom. Right. She wasn't. That, <laughs> that was the movie that no one but us saw, and we liked it. Yeah. And okay. also, Mamie plays Street's young as her younger self. In Evening in 2007. Never heard of that one. You know yeah. Evening from 2007. Who else is having a birthday? And here's one last fun fact. Anything else, Robin? Ooh, I Meryl insist. Meryl was pregnant when she accepted her Best Actress actress Oscar for what movie? She was pregnant with Mamie. Uh, adaptation. Uh, no, it's going to be uh, Sophie's Choice. Yes, which made me laugh because apparently that brings our circle all the way, all back, the way back to which child was not her choice. <laughs> Clearly, Mamie was. <laughs> and last Sorry, up, Grace. That's the last wish. A very happy birthday to Anna Kendrick, hey, who Anna turns Kendrick. 29. I thought she was going to be a lot older than that. Seems like she's oh. been 20 something for a long time, right? Yes. Last 10 years. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying she looks older than 29. I'm just saying she seems to have been in the consciousness of oh, America too, yeah, for a while. For too long. Too long. Anyway, but she years. can play anywhere from a prude to a princess. At the age of 12, now this. Impressed the shit out of me. This sounds age, like it might be a fun fact. This is a friggin' crazy fun fact. At the age of 12, she received a Tony nomination for Best Actress in the musical High Society. Ooh. And she only lost to Audra McDonald for her work in Ragtime. That's pretty friggin' fierce. <laughs> that is fierce. She, I don't think that uh, quite landed the way. It's only like a Daisy <laughs> Egan. It's only it's like, like a, a... The only difference is Daisy won. I mean, uh, this this is pretty friggin' 12-year-old Oscar nom? Or a Tony nom? Tony nom. Wow. And every night leading this big-ass musical. <sighs> oh, crazy. Audra McDonald. Overrated. Go on. But now, here's something I can get behind. Anna's favorite movie is Hot Fuzz. Oh, wow. Of course, when I asked her that question, she was currently dating Hot Fuzz director Edgar Wright. So we don't wow. know if that's also her favorite movie today. Mm. But I thought, wow, that's something I can get on board with. So you know, Bart, how much I love when celebrities sing. It's true. People are always asking me, can you tell me two interesting two things, things about Karen? What and do you I say? T- well, the first one I tell them is every once in a while she'll eat a crispy chip and it makes her tongue feel rough. It makes my tongue rough yeah. on the sides. And then the second <laughs> thing is she loves... When celebrities sing. I do, and I especially love when celebrities sing bad, like (laughs) last week when we had that furlong guy. That was pretty frightening. But I also love when celebrities sing great, and they sing that song that you just can't get out of your head. Which I didn't know this was her. Yes. Didn't know it was Anna Kendrick. I actually asked Paul to pull a clip from the movie where it's a little little more like acoustic version. It's dumbed down a little. Oh, maybe he didn't. But whatever. Here it is, the cup song from... From uh, that movie. Pitch perfect. Pitch perfect. I'll fill in. How do you get along without me? <laughs> she doesn't, Paul. She doesn't. This is Anna Kendrick? Yeah, you gotta take your cup and you flip it over and we're gonna have to learn it. Why doesn't she do have a, a singing career? She does. She should have played Ricky in the Flash. There she right. <laughs> She should have been. And then Meryl Streep's daughter should have been Ricky. A fetus. Right. She's 29. Uh, you can't. Why right. holds Meryl Streep's daughter? She's, uh, she's old enough to have like a 29 year old. Wait, I know. Yeah, we, we, we just, just did a birthday. She's 32. Oh, she's 32. <laughs> that wraps another movie showcase. everybody. If only there everybody. was a way for us to know this. If only we <laughs> celebrated Mamie's birthday. Together we're the movie guys. Individually oh, we Karen are Bart Gaius.
You can follow us on Twitter at The Movie Guys. Daily jokes and links on there. And, of course, Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys. As well as iTunes, Vimeo, YouTube, Funny or Die, SoundCloud, Vine, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that shit. Thanks to Joel Murray. Hey, Joel. Two-timers club. Wait, that doesn't sound good, but you know it. He's always been faithful to me, Paul. He's the best. I love Joel Murray. Uh, check out his uh, upcoming movie. What was it called? Blood Sucking Bastards. <laughs> and look us up on uh, digitalmindproductions.com, the Sisters.com, and check out 9 to 5. Karen and yeah. I got three more weeks of that uh, with my uh, Dabney Coleman mustache over at the Glendale Center Theater in Glendale, California. Also, thanks to Steve Scholes for his writing contributions to the show every week. And as always, we owe everything to Pat Peach. Pat Don't Peach. we, though? Next week, we slow down the movie output and talk about just two movies. But different ones, they're certainly different from each other. The Man from Uncle and Straight Out of Compton. Oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> Plus, our special guest, Adam Pascal. Yes, Ooh, that's going to be cool. And we will see you then. I think I slipped into the hand jive. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs>